0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Divisional Round DFS MVP. I'm your host, TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 444.com with a very special guest, Matt Savoca. Matt, what's up, buddy?
1: Hey, I'm thrilled to be back. Almost two years exactly since I was last with you on the DFS MVP. Absolutely thrilled to be here. An exciting four-game slate. Uh, Wacky between DraftKings and FanDuel doing different things with their main slate, but we're going to navigate it. I'm just so happy to be here let's uh let's dig in man
0: yeah for the long time uh, dfs MVP listeners you probably know Matt uh as my co-host from a couple years ago if you've been a subscriber this year even though you haven't seen him on the channel you've seen him rocking all of the showdown slates so we will go through game by game if you've read matt showdown slates you know he does phenomenal phenomenal matchup um, analysis <laughs> for, each, right for each of those and uh and uh, we'll we'll go through that and look at the uh, look at it from from a different slate perspective. If you've looked at the the slate already uh, or, or the uh, the content on four for four, you'll notice that we have ownership for the four game slate up, but we do have projections up for the two game slates as well. Um, before we jump into it, just want to remind everybody that if you haven't signed up for the four for4 4 subscription yet, it's only 6.99 for the rest of the season. We still have, uh, multiple slates this week, including Shodan. We're growing through the Super Bowl, so, still lots of slates yet. It's a really good time to just try out the four for four uh, DFS subscription. give it a taste and, uh, and come back to it uh, uh, next season. So let's jump right into it, Matt. Uh, First game of the week is the Texans at the Ravens. Texans favored, I'm sorry, Texans underdogs by nine and a half points with a 17 point total Ravens with the 26 and a half point total themselves. The uh, game total is 43 and a half. Uh, It's a Texans defense that has been a Big pass funnel, especially if we look at something like uh, AFPA schedule just fantasy points allowed. Uh, they tighten it up a little bit, but still very vulnerable through the air. Ravens, um One of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the league, the best defense by AFPA against running backs. Uh, So interesting matchup here because, I mean, the Ravens aren't necessarily just going to air it out to take advantage of that Texans uh, run funnel or pass funnels. Let's start on the Texans side and see what you see. uh, Or or let's start on the Ravens side, actually, and and see what you see out of this offense. Lamar obviously going to run a ton. Um, Mark Andrews not going to be playing. So so opens up some question marks for the passing game.
1: Yeah, so... Honestly, with the Ravens this year, I think I like this version of the Ravens offense Mm -hmm. better than that 2019 version where Lamar won MVP, may win this year as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they just kind of ran crazy over the AFC because they're extremely tough to scheme for you know when Andrews comes back they're just going to be that much tougher as well they have maybe not elite weapons on the outside but Mm. capable weapons and they have a quality rushing game that they've built out with Gus Edwards and Justice Hill uh as sort of like a hybrid and and pass game option and obviously you have Lamar being Lamar so at at this point I, I do think that this team in general can kind of do whatever they want Mm -hmm. I was really impressed with their ability to score you know obviously when a team scores 50 points on a playoff team you're going to be impressed but in the true drive success rate metric that I look at the ability for a quarterback to turn a drive into a touchdown there were two clear winners in that metric this year Dak Prescott and Lamar Jackson and honestly if you look at the stats from week 13 on Lamar Jackson's number one in that stat, number three in EPA per game. Just playing as well as you can play right now. I think they do whatever the matchup tells them to do. And on paper, that looks like passing on this team.
0: Yeah, and we'll get into the specific plays in a minute. But before we do that, let's talk about um, how the Texans match up against this really good Ravens defense. Uh, As I mentioned, the Texans' seventeen-point total is the lowest on the slate. Uh, People are obviously going to be very excited um, by Houston's performance last week. Obviously, the big discussion last week was uh, C.J. Stroud's um, PFF grade versus Jordan Love's. I mean, he he did run very good on on some plays that uh, he didn't necessarily make uh, you know anything spectacular. He played good. But but a lot of it, you know, run after the catch that long Brevin Jordan play. Um, So I I don't know how much people are going to wait that game versus this very good Ravens defense. Um, It it doesn't look like they're going to wait it too heavy. But what can we expect out of this Texans offense?
1: Honestly, I was a little surprised when I started digging into the advanced metrics with C.J. Stroud and, and, you know, hats off to him. I I think he had his highest yards per attempt all season. Uh, or or a second best in that game against the Browns. Like he played, he played well, but like you said, he ran a little hot. In that same true drive success rate metric I was talking about, Jackson topping the league at, C.J. Stroud's actually slightly below average. These are the kinds of metrics I was looking at when I was uh, kind of telling our subscribers in the four for four Discord that this is the way that Joe Flacco turns into a pumpkin against Houston. I'm not saying yeah. it's going to happen. We know that the best way for Houston to overcome their low point total is for Stroud to outplay his expectations. But when I see advanced metrics like this, I see someone who probably ran hot, ran a little lucky. I'm not saying he's bad at all. I'm just saying he's probably running into a buzzsaw.
0: Yeah, I mean... When we look at it, uh, everything you said kind of matches up with uh, what we have for the value scores across the board, whether you're looking at the two game or the four game slate, there just aren't a lot of players from either side popping as top values um, on this slate, especially on the four gamer Um, Devin Singletary and Isaiah likely look like very popular pay down options with Mark Andrews likely to be out Uh, Devin Singletary is just going to get a a ton of, of work relative to his price tag, but given the Ravens rush defense and them playing as as big underdogs Um, it it is a a tough pill to swallow even though he is very cheap Lamar is the top quarterback value on FanDuel we it's a little easier to pay up for quarterback over there and he has a significant discount against Josh Allen and then Ravens DST is going to stand out quite a bit there so are there any of, of those value plays that stand out to you like like Lamar and likely they're they're fine to me the one that like looks to me is like a Devin Singletary fade probably isn't going to kill you I, yeah. I
1: agree with that i think we want to make sure even if the value score isn't phenomenal for jackson we can't rule out the fact that he could just completely destroy the slate he he absolutely could and you know obviously you're gonna to have to pay up in salary for him but the most expected fantasy points by nearly five expected fantasy points over their last three games of any player on the slate uh and, I'm not sure I'm so down with Devin Singletary as well. Like you're running into one of the best defensive lines as well. I recognize that Singletary running well, I guess, is or better than expected is one of the best ways this team pulls off an upset. I kind of feel like I want to go to either Nico Collins and just lock in some floor and ceiling, or I want to go down to a player like Schultz who caught a touchdown and before that was really consistent with his volume. And then maybe I'll take a chance with one of these ancillary players, high in value for us Isaiah, likely Justice Hill. I kind of like Zay Flowers a little bit more. But, you know, from there, I think there are some ancillary options, especially if you're talking about a four game slate that I like more than these Ravens or Texans, uh, tertiary pieces at least.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's talk a, a little bit about those ancillary options because I, I don't think this is a game, especially on the four-gamer, that we're going to be stacking like super heavy. Um, but if you do stack it, I, I mean, like I said, it's like Nico Collins and um, Isaiah likely are going to be the obvious plays. Um, are, are there any other plays that stack out to you, stand out to you? Again, Um Revan Jordan had the big play last week. Um, Dalton Schultz uh, with Noah Brown out can kind of be that number two guy. Uh, And then we got Baltimore running backs as well. So any of these plays pop to you?
1: Honestly, one thing I saw that I'm not going to say go out and play him everywhere, but Rashad Bateman's expected fantasy points when he plays are up there with the other core Ravens players. Gus Edwards, Justice Hill. Don't rule out Gus Edwards, even though the Texans against the run significantly better in DVOA than against the pass. If the Ravens get to the goal line, they're giving it to one guy. Uh, You know, no one ran hotter really at the goal line as a running back this year. And so I do kind of like Gus Edwards just as a hammer option. If the Ravens control this game start to finish Um, from there, as we said, as a group, I don't really love this unless you're, you know, kind of playing this game uh, overshooting expectations as as far as ancillary options the expected fantasy points the opportunity value for these players really low last thing i'll say if you're just looking for a complete flyer option robert wood's projection a little bit lower and then when we were running our floor and ceiling values i i like had to check again because there was a couple of sims where he pulled you know pulled out a 30 point score i'm not saying that's a anything but a very low probability option but hey that's what the model showed worth, worth pointing
0: out. Yeah. Uh, as we'll talk about throughout this podcast, as we kind of look at ownership, if you've looked at ownership on the, on this site already, um, ownership is pretty f- for a four game slate. It's pretty flat, which means uh, on, on weeks like this, we don't often like necessarily need like a a 10% or even sub 10% play to separate from the field. Um, but with, with the ownership being pretty flat, like, one or two of those guys might sneak in there. So like if, if August Edwards, you know, scores two touchdowns, um, those are the type of, of low owned plays that we can be looking at again, not a game I'm going to be. uh, I I don't think I'm going to be stacking super heavy, but if we look at the four, four game slate on the four gamer, like this is probably the one that gets the least cumulative ownership from the passing games. Again, Lamar and, and Isaiah likely will be owned, especially on FanDuel. Um, I, I think Schultz is very interesting just because, a lot of people are going to be leaning on Kittle Kelsey. High salary tight end is going to be a very popular build this week. So if you are playing, you know, Schultz is a one tight end build that will be somewhat contrarian. Um, I, I think. Again, building without paying down for Singletary, especially on the two-game slate where he's gonna gonna feel like a must-click almost. Uh, that's gonna be pretty unique. And, and then with Mark Andrews out, I mean, you didn't mention this, but I, I have heard some talk about um, you know the Ravens saying this is the most healthy Odell has been all all season. Um, I, I believe it was Josh Norris that brought it up. That's kind of said you know they've been saving his best for last, and this is where they're finally gonna let him break out coming off of 20 days rest. So I mean, may, you know maybe some Odell skinnies if Isaiah Likely gets like way out of hand in ownership could be pretty interesting.
1: Agreed. I just have to say that when looking at the opportunity value, I kind of hope you're right, but they better be doing that because his opportunity value is below the running backs, below Zay Flowers, Mm -hmm. below Isaiah Likely, and even Rashad Bateman's up there with him. So we saw a similar ramp up of usage down the stretch when he was with the Rams. Tons of red zone and end zone usage. I'd love to see it. I'm not sure if the stats bear that out, at least looking at the last month of the season or so.
0: Uh, the second game on the Sunday slate, um, quite opposite, at least in terms of player opportunity and player usage. And the early game just kind of feels like we're going to be, you know, kind of hoping for some of these ancillary guys, where Packers and Niners, they give us a lot of options. Packers, it's like, a ton of guys that, that kind of eating inch, into each other's usage, very hard to project. 49ers have, you know, four guys that we tend to project very highly because our offense has been uh, so efficient all year uh, in San Francisco Packers, nine and a half point favorites with a 20.5 total Niners with a 30 point total, the highest on the slate in the game is at 50 and a half. Uh, so, um, let's start with uh, let's start with the Green Bay side because they have been uh, obviously on fire. Jordan Love um, at or near the top in basically every efficiency metric down the stretch, including going into last week. So, how does Packers offense uh, match up against 49ers defense this week?
1: I kind of think it's a little it's a little similar, at least on paper, to how C.J. Stroud and company could pull off an upset. And I think if you're looking at it, you know, slight paths for these underdogs to pull off up an upset. I think Jordan Love may actually have a better chance here. One, It's hard to project the Green Bay Packers from a touch distribution standpoint, especially in the passing game. But that also makes them really hard to scheme for. They've had multiple players. I think four different wide receivers lead the team in receiving multiple times. They have a player who didn't even play really at all until week 16 in Bo Melton, who has also led the team in receiving Mm -hmm. at least in one game. And so I think when you have a San Francisco defense that, of, of course, on paper, looks really strong, both against the run and the pass, but that has also given up 29 points to Arizona, 33 in the loss to the Ravens. They showed some vulnerability. If Jordan Love is able to play the game he was able to play against Dallas again, of course they have a chance. Look, Vegas isn't saying that's going to happen. And ultimately, I think looking back at that game in the wildcard round, Dallas looks silly against Green Bay because they brought the house, they brought the blitz, and the rush didn't get home. Uh, if ultimately the rush gets home, I think things look very, very different for this Green Bay team. 49ers fourth in pass defense DVOA. And I think I'm burying the lead in this whole game script because the Packers are 26th in rush defense DVOA and mm-hmm. playing Christian McCaffrey on weeks and weeks of rest.
2: Prize Picks is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform. And one of the most exciting ways to play dfs and best of all prize picks is simple just choose between two to six players and pick more or less than their prize pick stat projection it's that easy quick withdrawals an enormous selection of players and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry but it doesn't stop there PrizePix even offers in game projections. Imagine gathering at the house watching football with your friends and building an entry to cheer for together with more AJ Brown receiving yards or less Jordan Love passing yards. Now it's possible. Just go to slash DFSNVP and use the promo code DFSNVP to match your first deposit up to $100. Price picks
0: daily fantasy sports made easy. Let's talk about that 49er side, because um, I, I think McCaffrey, especially on DK, where where he's priced a little more affordably, probably the highest on player on the slate. He's our top value um, across uh, all positions on both sites the question that we've had, I mean, all year when, when 49ers have been on a main slate on this podcast is like, how do we parse out how the 49ers, um, uh, uh, target share or touch share is going to play out because all these guys, obviously CMC is going to get his, but we like, we need CMC to always go off to, to justify his ownership and salary. Like, especially if you're playing on Fandle where he's 10.8. Um, but, but on DK on, on whether you're playing on the two gamer or the four gamer, probably the most popular player on the slate. So does he have the upside to pay off that very high ownership? And then with those pass catchers, like, Is it an IU, Kittle, or Debo game? Is there anything that stands out there?
1: I mean, I think the answer to your question is yes. I think he has the opportunity value, especially if you just look at him compared to the rest of the slate. I mean, obviously McCaffrey, when you look at pretty much any metric, he's going to look ridiculous when you look at usage metrics. But I realize that the Packers' defense has been vulnerable at times against the pass, their 27th in pass DVOA and the rush. I just don't see them moving away from McCaffrey. I, I do want to just uh, – this is something I brought up in the article. If there is one tangential sort of game script that we need to factor in, I don't really think it's happening, and they certainly haven't seemed that way in the media or anything. But if McCaffrey's calf is still a little bit banged up and he's not 100%, sort of like that game, that playoff game where Derrick Henry came back with a broken foot, we will expect Kyle Shanahan to move on to Ayuk. Debo and Kittle extremely fast because he has multiple ways to beat this team
0: sure and
1: that said I still think the way that the value metrics look McCaffrey is the payup option of Saturday the Saturday yep. slate and of the four game slate mm-hmm. I'm going to be there at least with the field and you know I'm going to take my losses if it doesn't work yeah. I, you need 30 points to feel good about him and I think he can get there
0: yeah. One, one thing that's interesting about this game is we do see some, um, some disparagement between the sites in terms of value and ownership. And like I said, CMC being so expensive on FanDuel, it's going to push down um, a little bit there. So you're just going to have to wait, um, how much you can afford to, uh, to take on that 10.8 salary and, and, you know, hopefully him blow up, um, uh versus um you know his his relatively low ownership for such a a small slate again that's the four gamer on the two gamer I think he'll be used um, a ton on DK again way more palatable might approach 50% there so he is our top value on uh DK um Purdy is actually the top DraftKings quarterback um it's just a matter of who are we going to pair him with four for four really likes Kittle as a top tight end value on both sides and even though he's going to be right there with uh Kelsey as the most popular tight end on the slate on the four gamer like he still might not reach 30%. So you are you you have a chance to to pair Purdy with Kittle and even though he's the chalky tight end, um, he's not gonna be crazy owned. So I I, I kind of am interested in following four for four's projections there. And then on the Packers, they kind of all cannibalize each other's projections. Um, just because outside of Aaron Jones, uh, those pass catchers are gonna be very tough. Um to project. So, let's actually start on that side and kind of try to parse out those Packers pass catchers before I ask you about where to go on the 49er side.
1: Yeah, th- this team again, hard to scheme for, but also from a DFS perspective, you're talking about playing multiple lineups. I think the the expectations for these, I guess we'll call them all auxiliary options for the Packers in the receiving game kind of set the tone for what our projections are in the mid tier especially on DraftKings, kings if you're playing multiple lineups i think you can take a chance of stacking jordan love with any of these players mm-hmm. uh, the expected fantasy points actually point to bo melton and christian watson if you mm-hmm. look at straight projections you're looking at Jaden reed and romeo Dobbs. i don't mm-hmm. think any of them are crazy and then let's talk about aaron jones the opportunity value look i mean christian mccaffrey's number one on the slate but compare jones to the other top players Other popular players on this slate, he's got more expected fantasy points over the last three weeks than Debo Samuel, then Brandon Ayuk, then George Kittle. He's right there with Jordan Love, and he's got more expected fantasy points than the quarterback in Purdy. So even in a losing effort, I think you could see usage from Aaron Jones in the passing game and of course in the rushing game that makes him worthwhile. Obviously, a really solid ceiling score. Like you said, the best value in terms of pure numbers definitely george kittle on DraftKings yeah. 5200
0: yeah um I, I especially on that two gamer i i do think that if you can nail who the uh packers pa- primary pass catcher is going to be who's going to ball out um uh like we saw last week if one player is able to separate. I, I think that is going to be um, the, the biggest uh, determinant, especially on that two game. Where I, I can see with Christian Watson it being his second game back that uh, you know maybe he maybe he overtakes some some routes from uh, Dontavian Wicks where where Watson uh, Watson and Melton were kind of splitting last week and then. Uh, tucker craft and and luke musgrave i mean they're basically um coin flips you mentioned kittle being our our best value for the 49ers and i think he probably is my favorite player to stack with purdy i I really like uh purdy cmc kittle stacks i will say that debo is projecting to be the lowest owned 49ers their core players and maybe the lowest owned um high salary wide receiver there, there's kind of a uh there, there's kind of a log jam and low ownership between him mike evans and and stefan Diggs. so it's going to be interesting to try to figure out who gets get steamed and who gets squeezed there and then um I, i'm just kind of curious to see how much the public overweights aaron jones big game last week because i i could see aaron jones coming out here and putting up a stinker you know
1: oh yeah the path to success is actually pretty slim here on paper mm-hmm. it, it's just a bad matchup and You know, this is where it's really interesting when you add the salary factor and just for the psychology of DFS players, because as you mentioned, we're seeing situations where Debo Samuel is going to get lower ownership, and yet he's projected higher than George Kittle, significantly higher, and he's got more opportunity value in terms of expected fantasy points per game. Just in a vacuum, ignoring salary, he's a better play. But because Mm -hmm. of the salary uh, decisions people have to make, we're kind of not we might not be remembering that or kind of not seeing the forest for the trees there. For sure. Debo Samuel has the best projection of anyone on the slate other than the quarterbacks and Christian McCaffrey.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we move on to the on
1: that, that one game slate, I should say. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, before we move on to the sunday games i do want to remind everybody about prize picks Prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy go to prizepickscom slash dfsvp and use the code dfsvp for a first deposit match up to 100 and for this divisional round we have a three-player pick them that if you follow us you can 5x your money with this three-player pick them starting with baker mayfield as we'll get into shortly this is an expected shootout with two past funnel teams uh baker mayfield's projection is for 35 and a half pass tips. We like him for more than 35 and a half pass tips and staying in that game, David Montgomery is projected for 13 and a half rush attempts. This is going to be a spot that's going to be very tough to run against a very good Tampa Bay uh, rush defense and in a spot where we're going to talk about how much we like Jameer Gibbs. So we actually like David Montgomery for less than 13 and a half rush attempts even though he had uh, 15 touches last week. And then going back to that Green Bay Packer games that we just discussed, we mentioned how uh, tough it is to going to be to to parse out um, how the Packers pass catchers are going to play out. Uh, Luke Musgrave projecting for five fantasy points. I mean, that's basically hoping he gets a touchdown. So we like Luke Musgrave for less than five fantasy points. Again, that three-player pick will help you. Five extra money. Don't forget to go to prizepicks.com slash Use the code DFSCVP for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks is Daily Fantasy Sports Made Easy. Let's jump into these Sunday games, starting with the early slate Buccaneers, six and a half point favorites with a 21 point total in a game with a total at 49. Lions at six and a half point favorites with a 27.5 point total. As I mentioned, two of the biggest pass funnels in the league. I, th- I think it's going to be a really uh, um, popular spot to stack the passing games, even on the four gamer. This is the game that could dominate the stacks. Uh, so kind of run through starting with the Buccaneer side, how you think this thing can play out?
1: Yeah, I, I think if people are steaming this game up because it could shoot out they're right. And, mm-hmm. you know, is it possible that Green Bay San Francisco ends up being the higher total game? Yeah, but like you said, both of these teams kind of play towards the pass, and both have shown recently that they are extremely comfortable. If their defenses just aren't showing up, they'll just outscore you. And that was something that you couldn't say about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers midway through the year. They've been much hotter down the stretch. They are they pass more than the average NFL team, playing at a basically a typical pace, but we've seen the advanced metrics get a little bit better for Baker Mayfield, not incredibly better. Uh, he kind of always takes those aggressive chances that lowers his stats like EPA and stuff like that. But at this point, I, I do think they're capable of putting a, a 30 spot on a Detroit secondary that by some metrics is bottom three, bottom yeah. certain, certainly bottom in the NFC. Uh, I mean, letting Puka Nakua just run all over him Tutu too at well, ripping the ball away from their secondary. I digress. still, we're looking at a team in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who, probably have to get a ton from Rashad white mm-hmm. in order to pull off a win. And, and he is their highest projected player. They've moved away from being that pass only team. They were with Brady Evans and Godwin could still clearly get theirs, but we like Jameer Gibbs straight up in terms of projection. I'm on Ross St. Brown on the lion side better. So it really comes down to Rashad white. Can he pay off and can he live up to that opportunity value? he has more expected fantasy points than baker than evans than godwin than any other player except for the top two skilled players on the detroit side
0: uh yeah and and on that detroit side um let's talk a little bit how that could play out because again it's a team that can um you know they they can really tear it up through the air and this is a team that the buccaneers uh that's exactly how you've been attacking them i mean i i think uh one of the most interesting things is obviously um, how the running back uh, split is going to play out. We, we've seen, again, we Dave Montgomery actually had the most touches last week. Um, and then with Khalif Raymond um, uh, out this week, it's going to be interesting who has the most – targets behind a Ross St. Brown because Laporta still looked a little bit hobbled last week. So what do you expect from this Detroit offense this week?
1: Well, this is one of the areas that I considered a personal blind spot that mm-hmm. I've been trying to get much better at where you have a player in David Montgomery who in terms of median projection, he looks okay, but we know that his role, as you kind of talked about and alluded to earlier is as a red zone hammer. I was looking at the game log for him. He has one game plate where he doesn't have a red zone touch. And he has multiple red zone touch, touches in every single game where he's had a red zone touch. And so when you're talking about a team who is implied for 27 and a half points, you can play the player who gets multiple red zone touches per game. Even if the matchups, say, if you're looking at AFPA or something like that, or, or even DVOA, that Tampa is good against the run. A player like Montgomery at home favored by a touchdown is a solid process play. If you're looking at straight projection or just ceiling projections, Amon Ross St. Brown, I think, has a chance to absolutely torch this Tampa Bay team. We saw Devonta Smith able to get free a ton in that wild card round, even with basically no other receivers to speak up showing up for Philadelphia. And then it kind of comes down to how does this Detroit team use Jameer Gibbs? Because I think the best way to use him is in the short passing game. You're probably not getting a lot from him between the 20s against this Tampa Bay run defense. Last thing I'll say here: this Detroit team, in my opinion, the path to making them crumble is to put is to put pressure on Jared Goff. And if you can get pressure in the interior like they were getting against Philadelphia. Goff becomes a completely different quarterback when he's pressured. He was number four in player profilers accuracy rating with a clean pocket outside the top 25 quarterbacks when he was pressured. So I think that's really the path to get get him off balance, off their game. I'm not saying that's the most likely thing, but that's kind of the path to success if you're rooting for Tampa Bay.
0: Yeah, uh, Rashad White is going to get such a big workload, um, you know, relative to to some of the other running backs in the field that he is still projecting as a top two overall value on the site, even though the Lions, um, the, I'm sorry, the Buccaneers are six and a half point underdogs. We're just never going to see the lions uh, running backs be like crazy values just in terms of four, four value score, because we're going to kind of project them in the middle, but I'm St. Brown's just going to get such a huge target share against this offense. He's projecting as our top wide receiver value on both sides. And then again on DK, where saving the quarterback tends to be a little more helpful. Goff is a top two um, DK value priced significantly below um, Lamar and Josh Allen. I mean, on uh, on the I think the most interesting discussion is the uh, ancillary pass catching options on the Detroit side. I, I think people, especially on the two gamer that are heavily stacking this game, um, that's really going to be where people separate. Um, so, is there anything that stands out to you uh, from either side, but especially on that Detroit side for their ancillary pass catchers, anyone not named Amon-Ra basically?
1: Yeah, right, I- exactly. And I do think if we're going to talk about in the Houston Baltimore game that a group of ancillary players who don't appeal to us. Then we got to talk about the flip side. This is the group of ancillary players that does appeal to us. Laporta, obviously not hundred percent. Still, we're talking about a player at 13 expected DraftKings fantasy points per game over his last three healthy games. Jamison Williams starting to get more involved at 10 expected fantasy points per game. And then don't rule out Josh Reynolds either. Who's at nine expected fantasy points per game. That's right up there with the likes of Evans and Godwin in terms of opportunity value, right? That's their air yards, their targets, where they happened on the field, when they happened in the game. The Lions tend to be in shootouts. They tend to be scoring, and that means all of these players have inflated opportunity value. I, I personally like them better than the same ancillary options on the other side, but I think Trey Palmer could get free for another long score against this Detroit team. I think Kate Otten could move the chains and have a touchdown. I just think that if I'm comparing these ancillary options, hands down, the opportunity value is better for the Laportas, Jamison Williams, and Josh Reynolds than it is for the same people on the Tampa Bay side.
0: Yeah, and I agree with that. E- even though Josh Reynolds and, and Jamison Williams are going to see significantly more ownership than David Moore and, and Trey Palmer, I think just kind of picking one of those guys, especially on the four gamer, is um, the way to go. I mean, Jamison Williams is more going to be the quick strike guy, so maybe we like him more a little bit on FanDuel, where we saw Josh Reynolds get a, a nice target share last week, where he could maybe get there easier on volume on, on DK. I, I think I'm probably saying Dave, David Moore and, and Trey Palmer for the two gamer. We did see David Moore actually out target Trey Palmer last week, so there interesting on a two game slate if laporta doesn't get steamed especially being priced kind of close to to kelsey or kittle depending on what site you look on him against all of his other pass catchers being um relatively high owned I, that's one of the biggest pivots for me of the week especially if you are playing jared goff and then jameer gibbs i i like him tampa bay blitz heavy if if the Detroit Lions want to counter that with short passes, especially with David Montgomery having a very tough uh, rushing matchup. I mean, I think Jameer Gibbs just has massive upside. And then whether you want to stack Baker or you just want to game stack this game, I kind of already mentioned Debo, Mike Evans, Stephon Diggs. One of one or two of them is going to get squeezed and one of them is is going to get steamed. I hope it isn't Mike Evans. I have a feeling Mike Evans is one out of that group that gets steam. But if, if we get Mike Evans at sub 20% on a four-game slate, I mean, that, that's crazy against this defense. So um, the, it, it's, it's going to be a very uh, you know, tough thing to figure out because we have them all project kind of close. But, I mean, just the fact that we have KDOT and projecting for more, more ownership than Mike Evans makes me want to be on Evans.
1: I agree with that. I personally looked at that, and I thought he's going to get steamed as people start to see him as a value. But uh, Godwin and Evans always go back and forth in who has the the more valuable role in that offense. Right now, if you actually look at the last three weeks, it's Godwin, and that really surprised me because we saw a stretch there where he was getting like 11, 12 targets a game. That's come down to six or seven. But again, this is where uh, a stat like expected fantasy points can really help us Because the value of that opportunity has actually increased. Maybe that means he is a little bit more touchdown reliant. The thing we usually say about Mike Evans, but these things can switch on a dime, especially against a secondary that we saw, uh, you know, receivers on the outside just kind of tear things up as early as last week.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Moving on to the final game of the week. Chiefs, two and a half point favorites on the road at the Bills. Uh, Chiefs with the 21 and a half point total. Bills with the 24 point total. 45 and a half point game total here a game that uh you know if we said at the beginning of the year this was going to be the final game of the divisional round we're gonna be like oh this is going to be a game with a 55 point total feels like a game that's that you know maybe comes in um on the lower side especially with some weather out there not going to be crazy weather but obviously still very cold in buffalo uh The thing that can swing it to a possible shootout is just the fact that Buffalo might end up decimated on defense. We're going to really want to be paying close attention to those defensive injuries. Unfortunately, might not get them till uh, you know. uh, Might be a lot of game time decisions, so it's going to be tough to figure out um, exactly how to build those lineups, especially for the four gamer. But uh, what what are you expecting from the Chiefs side against this likely? Uh, decimated Bills D.
1: Well, we got a little bit of clarity. I think it was like two hours ago. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're recording this Friday evening Eastern time and Gabe Davis is going to be out. Taylor Rapp is going to be out on the Buffalo side in the secondary. And one of the cornerbacks for the Buffalo, uh, for the Bills has already been ruled out. So I consider this, the decimation is probably on and maybe I'm a chump here, but I still think there's going to be one of those quintessential Andy Reid Patrick Mahomes games and I realize we've been waiting all season for it but I still think that there is an opportunity here for the Chiefs to kind of look like that Chiefs of old and I was kind of comparing what these end of season efficiency metrics for Mahomes looked like compared to previous seasons and of course they're down but in that true drive success rate metric I was talking about earlier we're talking about down to the top 10 We're talking about above average in EPA per game, even with all the drops and turnovers. He ended up above average in completion percentage, over expected. I just think that at a certain point, Mahomes breaks through. Now on paper, I I was looking at this and I think this team goes as Pacheco goes. They should give Pacheco plenty of touches against the Buffalo defense. That's much easier to run against than pass. Again, at least on paper, they're 18th in rush defense DVOA and ninth against the pass. And I also think that keeping the ball out of Josh Allen's hands is advantageous. So if you can stream together these long back breaking drives, that is probably the best way to do things. Let's see if Rishi rice and Travis Kelsey is enough. Can they find the soft spots in those zone defenses, If we're looking at just, uh, you know, the best plays on the slate, just pure projection, the best opportunity value is Isaiah Pacheco. Mm -hmm. And from there, I think it's actually pretty tough between Rice and Kelsey.
0: Yeah. Uh, again, uh, we're still kind of waiting on some uh, the, the injury news that we're waiting on on the Bill side is uh, their linebacker health. So uh, you know, if they if they end up short linebackers too, I think oh. that really benefits Kelsey for sure. Um, on the Bill side, I mean, it's it's obviously Josh Allen, James Cook just keeps training t- towards a bigger and bigger workload. I think he had all but one backfield touch last week. Saw Stephon Diggs lead the team in targets last week, so that was nice, but still not that that big ceiling game. We saw um, Dalton Kincaid getting involved quite a bit, and then Khalil Shakir looks like um, uh, one of the most popular paydown options of the week. So uh, what are we expecting from Buffalo at home against this KC defense? that has been pretty good for most of the year.
1: Yeah, I don't really love Khalil Shakir as a popular option against one of the best secondaries left in the NFL but I get it. Like in terms of a per target basis, he's been very efficient. That has to do a lot with Josh Allen and the quality of the targets he is receiving, but he caught a touchdown last week. I'm not sure I want to play him in this matchup when he's popular. If we were still doing the breakout receiver model, which we've been doing all see- all regular season at 4 for 4 I can guarantee you Stefan Diggs would be at the very top of the list mm-hmm. at this point because the- there is a massive disparity between the value in terms of air yards, target share, and what he's actually produced on the field. Talk about the possibility of a blow-up game. Yeah, the matchup is really tough on paper, but the opportunity is there, and, and if you said – hey, I'm going to base my five, 10 lineups that I play in specific tournaments on. This is the week that Stephon Diggs defies the odds and blows up. I'm not going to stop you at all. That makes all the sense in the world. What it looks like on paper, they need to have a game, a big game from James Cook. Get the tight ends involved and just control this game on the ground. Kansas City is much easier to run against than pass against. They have one of the best secondaries and cornerback cores in the league. And that's why we're seeing the, the Vegas total that we kind of expected at the beginning of this season to be 55, much lower than it is. I do think that the Kansas City defense can be the reason they win. We all know that Josh Allen and company can take you know take a win away from them anytime. And again, we're kind of burying the lead like we did with that Packers 49ers game. This team goes as Josh Allen
0: goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and Josh Allen, it's interesting because even though he has the highest ceiling on the slate, he's just not, not popping any of our value scores. But that's obviously just because he's so expensive. I mean, on the two-gamer, he's going to be absolutely on through the roof. On the four-gamer, again, as I mentioned, ownership is pretty flat. I, I think the intriguing thing, and I, I 100% agree, agree with you on the digs point. That's the intriguing thing about Josh Allen is that his popular pass catcher is going to be Khalil Shakir. So you're going to if if anybody gets squeezed I, and I go back to Mike Evans and, and and Debo Samuel, Kelsey's going to be a very popular play. If people are paying up for a pass catcher in this game, it's going to be Kelsey. I, I think Mike Evans ends up with some steam, and then people are going to just kind of mix and match the 49ers pass catchers. So I think again on a four game slate, we're going to get Stephon Diggs at like. Sub twenty, just maybe barely twenty percent, like that makes me want to play him with Josh Allen, even though it's going to be quite expensive. And because Shakir's going to be expensive, because Diggs is probably going to be under owned, I'm not too interested in like getting super contrarian on the Buffalo side because their best player is already contrarian, their best receiver is already contrarian. On the KC side, again, I agree with you. If this, uh, if this Bills defense does really struggle. I think the way the Chiefs attack them is to maintain drives, uh, to use their star players, to use their their you know three Pacheco, uh, Rashi Rice, and Kelsey. Is there any like is there anything besides a dart throw with Hardman or or Watson or any of those guys on the KC side?
1: I mean, if you're looking at air yards, things like weighted opportunity value, then Justin Watson starts to pop. You know, it's basically because he's getting deep targets. The truth of this Kansas City offense is that they have no reliable deep target, so yes justin watson gets the air yards the expected fantasy points don't really say that they're very valuable air yards Nicole hardman uh. Uh, Maybe I'm a little biased at this point. I just don't think he's a very talented player. He does actually have the most opportunity value of all these ancillary options. I do think one way you can play this in very large field tournaments is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They clearly trust him to spell Pacheco. So if you get a situation where you have a long, drawn-out drive, sort of like the game script we're talking about, but Pacheco, you know, maybe rips off a 35-yard run that needs to come out, I think this team is more willing to use Clyde Edwards-Hilaire you know, for, for an entire drive for an entire red zone series than they were earlier in the year. I'm fine taking a chance there. And if Rishi Rice is not going to be popular at all, he's actually the highest projected wide receiver on this one game slate. So I might go there, even if that's a hard salary spot to get to.
0: Yeah. I mean, Rishi Rice will be used. He's not going to be up there with like a Monroe, but I mean, Kelsey Pacheco, um, both going to be near the top in terms of their positional ownership. But, as you mentioned, this is a spot where I think it's, it's okay to lean into that chief's chalk. Um, If I'm getting away from it, it's getting off Kelsey. So I could get to digs most likely. I I think that's really big leverage spot. And then um, Kincaid and and Dawson Knox also uh, direct leverage off Kelsey at the tight end spot. I think Kincaid's, if he gets there, it's going to be those, you know, more uh, more volume. Obviously we want the score from tight end. uh, So on DK is going to get you those PPR points. Knox, I think he's probably more of just like a two-game FanDuel touchdown and prey type play. Um, and I agree with you. Like Watson and Miko are just pure punts.
1: Agreed. Um, yep. One thing I was looking at just as an overview of the slate as a whole, especially when we're talking about that four-game DraftKings slate, I think people tend to play it a little too much, actually, like a showdown slate and think that they can't play popular players together. They need to get too contrarian. I was just doing a, a little bit of work right before the show and looking at the ceiling compared to the combined ownership so if you take two players ceiling you add it together and then combine their ownership to see how many people are likely to have both of those players the highest pairs of players in that four game slate we're talking about maybe 15 maybe 20 percent ownership so the minute you add just a unique second or third option in a skinny stack situation you're probably unique enough you can get chalky pretty much everywhere else
0: yeah and as i said earlier that this um this 4a4 four four game slate ownership is quite flat so i don't think Uh, that you're going to have to go way off the board to to have a somewhat unique lineup. Um, In the content, I lay out ways to get unique besides just player exposure things, just like untraditional matchups. I'm leaving some salary on the board, so go to the article to read those. Matt's uh, showdown articles for tomorrow are already on the site. The Sunday Slate Showdown will be up tomorrow, and we will be in the Discord tomorrow morning and Sunday morning to keep you guys uh, posted. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel and like this video. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, giving us a five-star rating interview is the easiest way to give back to the podcast. Check out the description for all the links. Again, sign up for four for four for just six 99. Right now we go through super bowl. And if you want to follow us on X slash Twitter, you can follow Matt at draftaholic four for four is at four for four football. I'm at teacher Hernandez. We'll talk to you guys next week.